Due to the length of this recording, it has been split into two parts. Part two will be released next week. Hello, listener. My name is Aaron David. It is Wednesday, day of Mercury, tropical soul in Aries, Luna in Leo, sidereal soul in Pisces, Luna in Cancer. Okay, uh, you are going to need your thinking helmet, helmet, helmet for this one, which uh, is not unlike Mercury at all. So here we go. Thoth is the god of magic and the magician is the tarot card of Mercury uh, within what is called the Book of Thoth, another name for the tarot. So on this day of Mercury, it is going to be my goal to bring you to a greater understanding of what the royal art is, what magic is. No small task, I know, but uh, what it is, is right there in front of our face in our symbols. And I want to begin with the symbols of the Trithemian table of practice because practice-wise that is where I began with Trithemius and uh, this is found within Francis Barrett's uh, The Magus, uh, The Art of Drawing Spirits into Crystals I believe is the name of it and Trithemius uh, was a cryptographer this old abbot and uh, you can find this work on Joseph Peterson's site um, yeah so if you take a look at the illustration of Trithemius's table of practice first thing you're going to notice is that there is a triangle and that the triangle is within a circle around the outer edges of the circle are the planets in the middle of the triangle is where sits the pedestal or the monstrance which contains the shoe stone or the scrying crystal in which the spirit is called. Uh, in Catholicism, the monstrance is what holds the consecrated host. Uh, these symbols are just so right in front of our face. We left off last time in the day of the moon with Yesod and the vision of the machinery of the universe. So this day of Mercury, we are going to visit the engine room of that machinery and take a peek at what a mad mad crew must be in there they are a triad and if you like you may think of them as parts of yourself or you can think of you as a part of them or you can think of all of you as one uh, in the way your own body is made up of a universe of independent and even 
warring beings, all manner of microflora and bacterial residents that are both beneficial and harmful to the head, to the all of you. So this triad who are the triangle, they are depicted on the tarot card Atu Tin. Uh, this is the fortune card, sometimes called the Wheel of Fortune. Now, on the table of practice of Trithemius, the three points of the triangle are marked by three symbols. Uh, one, a cross. Two, a hexagram with a yod in the center. And thirdly, a pentagram. So we can learn really a tremendous amount about those symbols and their processes from taking a look at Atu Ten Fortune. Uh, this card is the triangle within the circle. Uh, again, I'm looking at uh, Crowley's Thoth deck, and uh, this card, the Wheel of Fortune, is the domain of King Jove, uh, representing the path of Kaf on the Tree of Life, uh, associated to Jupiter, to Hesed, Imperator Maximus, Optimus Maximus, the Allfather, the Greater Beneficent, the giver of good gifts. And you know what? That tells you a lot about our galaxy. The magical power here within the Path of Kaf is the power of acquiring political and other ascendancy. Ascendancy is the key word here. <laughs> the path is meant for walking. Life is meant to be lived. This path of Kaf is the royal path of the ascending king. Jupiter is about kingship. I'm not talking about some abstracted concept here. I'm talking about here, in this life, in your life, ascending to kingship. Let me ask you this. Do you want to move up from where you are? Uh, let me ask it one more time. Do you want to move up from where you are? If you do, you are going to have to undergo these processes, which are symbolized here. You already are, and there's no escaping them. The ball has been in motion for quite some time now. All that's needed is for you to understand what, what you are supposed to be doing. What you're supposed to be doing is undergoing 
these processes, actively, consciously, embrace them, know that it is what we are called to do. We are not meant for passive lives, for watching Netflix and being enslaved to an hourly wage. We all here alive have very important work to be actively engaged in. Uh, this life is a testing ground for souls. It is a garden of souls. There is a sign in the universe's window. It is neon and it is blinking. It reads hiring heroes. So you can stop living life like a peasant. You are royalty and royalty has a responsibility to carry out the heroic deeds that nobody else here has yet been granted the power to do. How do you get the power to do it? Undergo this process. Um, on the Fortune Tarot card, we see, again, this is the Thoth Tarot deck, we see a ten-spoked wheel and there is a triangle within the wheel, sort of in the background. Now, around the wheel, there are three figures, which would be at each point of the triangle within the circle. So this is the engine, uh, which is the movement of the triangle. So as there is movement, that movement takes place, it progresses along the circle of stars, which is shown above on the Fortune Tarot card. The table of practice names those spheres above. Those are the seven ancient sages. Uh, they are the planets of our solar system. They have a thousand names they're everywhere you look. They structure our lives. They structure time itself, season. Um, we're looking at the machinery of the universe. We're focusing our eye upon the engine of it all. We're looking at the laws that govern the movement of the universe and so to the movement of you. I like to think of uh, this card being physically manifested in our solar system as the great red spot of Jupiter. That, of course, is the somewhat mysterious stormy vortex uh, on Jupiter and it's not quite been understood yet by scientists because it is a vortex that has lived longer than we 
currently have reasons for. It is movement, which is change, kept in equilibrium. Hence the engine analogy. Okay, on the fortune card uh, depicted the three powers or three gods. One is the sordid sphinx, two is Typhon, and thirdly is Hermanibus. Now, these three figures upon the wheel are actually the Magus tarot card, the Empress tarot card, and the Emperor. You could think of them as air, water, and fire. You could think of them as Beth, Daleth, and Zedi. Zedi. I can never say that. You could think of them as house, door, head. You can think of them as reason, feeling, ecstasy, peace, sloth, activity, superconsciousness, subconsciousness, ego, EIO, Isis, Osiris, Horus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. How many more ways can you think of to say it? These three as well are the symbolic representations of the alchemical Tria Prima. Starting to make a little sense for you. <laughs> um, if you can grasp these abstractions, you can close your hand upon them. Cuff. The Sphinx uh, atop the Wheel of Fortune is sulfur. Typhon is salt. And Hermanibus, of course, is mercury. These three are constantly cycling on the wheel. Only in the center of that wheel is there a stillness. Is there no change? at the center of the triangle where the crystal is placed where spirit is called forth salt is the equilibrium sulfur is the activating catalyst mercury is the passive prima materia these three are the continuity of force and form stabilized within an equilibrium these are what set our solar system in motion. And these are also that which set us in motion, urging us forward through time, forcing change, forcing growth. These are the great causes of the great becoming. So these, which we call salt, sulfur, and mercury, uh, are as well unmistakably the three gunas of nature. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation here, but the three gunas are sattvas, rajas, and tamas. Further insights into those can be uh, drawn by understanding the gunas of nature within their own context of Hindu philosophy. That's going to be outside of this particular episode's 
context, but the same underlying function is there as well in the three gunas of nature. They constantly become one another. Sulfur becomes salt. Salt becomes mercury. Mercury becomes sulfur. Uh, these are everywhere. You can even look at Zelda, uh, the three goddesses, Din, uh, the element of fire and earth, uh, the goddess Forori of forest and air, and the goddess Nairu of water. Far more important than reciting their names is understanding their function in creation. Far more important than understanding their function is experiencing it. The figure of Hermanibus on the Wheel of Fortune, Mercury within the Tria Prima. Before the Greeks arrived in Egypt, Anubis was known as Anpu or Inpu, and the root of the name in uh, the ancient Egyptian language means a royal child. Harpocrates comes to mind, doesn't it? Inpu has a root to imp, which means to decay. Anubis is guardian of the mysteries. He is Harishashta, who is over the secrets. Hermanibus is thought to relate to Hermes as Anubis, the psychopomp. Uh, and yet, if we go back to Egypt, which Hermes Trismegistus tells us that heaven has the aspect of Egypt. Go back there and we look and we see the following title. Heru M. Anpu. That is Horus as Anubis. Horus was the slayer of Typhon. Very interesting, isn't it? So to place Hermanibus within a psychological context to psychologize this process. Here is the domain of reason. Here is Ruach with Hermanibus that has risen up in humankind. And this seemingly sets us apart from nature. Reason is what gives humankind all kinds of power including the power to go down into the depths of self and speak to the darkness within, to the animal soul that resides there, to the shadow of ourselves. And reason allows us to tame it, to conquer it, to integrate it. Until we face the unconscious part of ourselves, uh, just like within the movie, The Dark Crystal, we are a race that's in a state of disunity. And it's this state of imbalance 
we are unaware of the shadows work within ourselves we're blind to it the more we deny the shadow the more powerful it becomes the more legalistic and hypocritical we become uh, the greater the fracture of self so Hermanovus is big magic stuff big really big magic stuff now this figure of Hermanovus on the wheel is also sometimes portrayed as the dog-faced ape of Thoth uh, so that is a very interesting symbol uh, I see the ape of Thoth as the seven of swords as futility these are among us the dogs of reason Paul the Apostle Paul calls these kind ever learning never coming to the truth never able to come to the truth the Bhagavad Gita proclaims that there are two two classes of people who try and realize self on the one hand there are those who try to understand by empirical evidence and philosophical speculation and on the other hand there are those who try to understand by devotional practice now long story short uh, the supreme godhead says that the latter is the easier and quicker path to self-realization the ape of thought barks it barks very loudly and mockingly in analyzing all the duality laying around everywhere underneath the abyss the ape of thoth uh, typifies the mind of the westerner so what has not happened with the dog of reason is this the monkey mind fights it fights against the silence it fights against the silence of having to give up every kind of opinion and theory that they cling to and it's not just a giving up it's like a yanking of the ground beneath you and there is nothing to cling to that has not happened with the ape of Thoth so this is someone who has not yet been initiated into the family that exists on the other plane um, the ape of Thoth is the fool dancing in the outer court uh, for the initiated who dwell in the inner court there are for them 
outwardly all the links to the past before initiation, but inwardly in the initiated, there is an awareness. There is the eye and the triangle. The mind's eye has opened. There is an awareness of belonging somewhere else more than it's ever possible to belong anywhere else. <laughs> Mercury is the one whose job it is to slowly bring the dawning of that awareness, to bring the monkey into the form of the magus. Mercury is the dog nipping at the fool's heel. So again, to psychologize these, the ego can be related to the cenocephalus, the mocking dog of reason. It is the duty of the mind of reason, the Ruach, to persist in the quest of analyzing apparent truths and finding there the absolutely infuriating stymie of paradox. All my favorite philosophers and writers play with paradox. They play with it poking at the legalists. They are the opposite of the legalist. And yet, they are the only ones who can wield the logos. Thy rays encompass the lands to the limit of all that thou hast made. As thou art Ra, thou reachest to the end of them. Thou subduest them for thy beloved son. Though thou art far away, thy rays are on earth. Though thou art in their faces, no one knows thy going.